Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome to a short Bible study on the Babylon Factor. Now, that's the title of the series, a five-hour audio series on CD that will help you understand the times in which we're living. When I talk about Babylon, that was the location where Noah and his three sons would live after the flood because Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod, built a great city in Babylon. Babylon has never been destroyed. Babylon is still alive and well on planet Earth today. In fact, Babylon is located in modern-day Iraq on the shores of the Euphrates River, some 68 miles southwest of Baghdad, Iraq. Studying about what is going to happen in Babylon is key for your understanding of how the prophetic scenario found in God's Word is going to unfold in what seems to be the day of the fulfillment of this prophecy. This five-hour study, The Babylon Factor, will help you understand why the United States military is in Iraq today, what God is doing using world leaders to accomplish His will. In just a moment, I'll tell you how you can get the entire series of The Babylon Factor. But right now, take a moment with me and let's listen to an introduction to this series, The Babylon Factor. Look what else. Not only did he challenge them to make this earth with, grow with people again, but look what he does. He said, now I'm going to institute a way to govern these people. I watched what happened before the flood. And they, look here, chapter 6, just for a second. Very interesting. Verse 5, chapter 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented God that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And God said, I will destroy them all. But now afterwards, he says, okay, I'm going to start anew. I'm going to do it this way. And so what he is going to do is a way of instituting government over his people. Go to verse, back to chapter 9, verse 5 and 6. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it, and at the hand of man, and at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Verse 6, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. And God instituted capital punishment 4,500 years ago. Capital punishment, which is basically human government. Because within that institution of taking a person's life who has taken another person's life God has instituted human government. And all of human government comes out of that. Now, there are three institutions that God brought into existence. Chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, he brings the family. Man and woman will leave mom and dad and cleave to each other. The first institution God brings into existence is the family. And in fact, we could do away with the rest of them if we had the family, the way God had said it, everything would be okay. But then he realized he needed to bring in human government. That's Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. So he brings in human government. He's going to set up a way of controlling and leading and directing people. Human government. 
Third institution he brings into existence is Acts chapter 2. That's the local church for his purpose of reaching out to the world and communicating Christ to a lost and dying generation who needs Jesus Christ. But here he institutes government. Okay, we've looked at the growth pattern God gave to him. He institutes government. Look at the generations that are going to follow. And in chapter 10, verses 1 and following, we start to see the record of obedience that God sees unfolding before his eyes before it goes astray. Verse 1 of chapter 10. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood, the sons of Jepheth, and he names some of the sons of Jepheth, and he goes through that. Then look down at verse 6, and the sons of Ham, and he names the sons of Ham. Go over to verse 21, and Shem also the father of all the children of Eber. And so now he is going to establish the peoples on the earth, and he sees at least the beginnings of obedience to do what he told them to do. And so he starts to bring forth people. There is something interesting I want you to notice here. Go to chapter 10, verse 21 again. Look at this. And Shem also, the, look at this next phrase, the father of all the children of Eber. Now, that's not the first son that he brings forth. He brings forth another son, but Eber, all the, why did he put that there? Well, Eber is ultimately the great, 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 great grandfather of Abraham. And Abraham, the father of Isaac and Jacob, the Jewish people. And Eber, in the Hebrew, is the origination of Hebrew. In fact, sometimes Eber, translated in the Bible, is translated Hebrew. Notice over in chapter 11, he talks about the genealogies. There's so much in genealogies, it just winds my clock. He talks about, in chapter 10, the genealogies of Jepheth, of Ham, and of Shem. But look over in chapter 11. After he records Babel, that incident, chapter 11, verse 10 says, now these are the generations of Shem. And he goes the rest of chapter 11 talking about Shem. And he brings us in verse 26, and Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram. Abraham. And so God is now going to set aside a particular people. Not the sons or the grandsons of Noah under Jepheth are the ones under Ham, but under Shem, the Shemite, who would ultimately be the Jewish people. But we now start to see the submission of Noah. The submission of Noah results in growth on this earth. It, regoes, it results in the establishment of government on this earth. And it results in the generations that are going to lead to the chosen people of God. Okay, now, we've talked about similarities with Revelation chapter 18, the submission of Noah and his three sons, at least in the beginning stages. Let's look at speech. I want you to notice something very interesting because speech is going to be that vehicle which brings about a system which will ultimately result in the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 18. Speech. Do you know God gave speech as a gift? 
speech was divine in its origins. And it wasn't, as some historians want to tell us, developed over the years with just fire, stone, cat. Uh-uh. It was instantaneous. All the vocabulary they needed. Go back to Genesis chapter 1 just for a second. Let me show you the very first time God says something to his new creation, Adam and Eve. And we talked about it just a moment ago. Verse 28, and God blessed them. Now look at here. And God said unto them, Adam and Eve are now in existence. God starts to talk to them. And God didn't use little three-letter words to communicate. He gave him a full vocabulary. He started to talk to him. He said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth with people. Go to chapter 2 and verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and he then put man in that garden, and in the process of putting man in that garden, he says, here's what I want you to do. Verse 16. And the Lord commanded Adam and Eve, the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may eatest freely. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou shalt eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And God said, Now see, he gave us a command, so he's talking to them. They have a vocabulary capable of understanding. It was a divine gift of God's speech. Now look at here what he says. Verse 18, and God said, it is not good for man that he should be alone, and I will make him a help made for him. Verse 19, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Now that's a fairly decent vocabulary. There's probably... I don't know how many thousands, but multiple thousands of animals that Adam on that day had to name. God brought all the animals to him. He had to have a vocabulary. It was a divine gift that God had given him speech in order to be able to do that. And so he starts naming the animals. Thank you very much for joining us as we studied The Babylon Factor. This five-hour audio series on CD is available to you. If you'd like to purchase a copy of it, you can call our toll-free number. That's 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website and our shopping mall and the address of the website, www.prophecytoday.com. This introduction to the Babylon Factor, I hope, has whetted your appetite to know more about Babylon and the key role that it will play in the end times. You see, Babylon is modern-day Iraq, and the focus of the world is on this unique state in the Middle East. Remember, if you're interested, call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298, or visit our website, www.prophecytoday.com, to get your copy of the five-hour audio series on CD entitled The Babylon Factor. And as you study The Babylon Factor, even in these short segments that we are presenting, 
It's going to make you aware of the fact that we are quickly approaching the time of the end when Jesus Christ will return. Oh, by the way, before he comes back to the earth, seven years before that time, he will shout, the archangel will shout, the trumpet of God will sound, and we will depart this earth to be with him forevermore. Truth is, having said all of that, there's nothing left for me to say now except let's keep looking up until... 